Welcome back to our continuation of our discussion from workshop number one in the 2021 NICE project. So I'm going to talk a little bit about the yellow wallpaper and for whatever reason I uh, have my notes with the author bio first and then the, the synopsis of the story. So forgive me if I don't follow your format. You're fine. <laughs> All right. Well, our author is Charlotte Perkins Gilman. The Yellow Wallpaper was published in 1892. Gilman was born in July of 1860, and she died in August of 1935. Now, I'm going to mention one familial fact that we will talk more about in workshop number three about the Yellow Wallpaper. Um, her aunt, one of her aunts, was abolitionist Harriet Beecher Stowe. So that's an interesting little factoid to hold on to. <clears throat> In 1884, Gilman married artist Charles Walter Stetson, but it's important to know that she initially declined his proposal because a gut feeling told her it was not the right thing for her. <laughs> mm. uh, their only child, Catherine Beecher Stetson, was born the following year. Now, after Catherine was born, Gilman suffered a very serious bout of postpartum depression. And that happened in an age in which women were labeled as hysterical or nervous uh, with health ailments and things and other stuff. And so whenever a woman claimed to be seriously ill after giving birth, sometimes those claims were dismissed. And that's kind of what happened uh, with uh, Charlotte Perkins Gilman. Now, her diary entries from that time actually from the time she gave birth to her daughter until several years later, described that uh, an oncoming depression that she faced. Um, a one diary entry struck me in particular. She wrote on April 18, 1887, that she was very sick with, quote, some brain, brain disease, end quote, which brought, quote, suffering that cannot be felt by anybody else, end quote, to the point that her, quote, mind has given away, end quote. So she was put into the care of Dr. Silas Weir Mitchell, and uh, it was a rest cure is what was prescribed uh, in his facility, and she was not allowed to leave her bed, read, write, sew, talk, or even feed herself. And after nine weeks, she was sent home with his instructions, the doctor's instructions were, and I'm going to quote this because it's just incredible, live as domestic a life as possible. Have your child with you all the time. Lie down an hour after each meal. Have but two hours intellectual life a day. And never touch pen, brush, or pencil as long as you live. Those were her doctor's prescription. <laughs> mm -hmm. So she tried for a few months to follow his advice, but her depression worsened. Imagine that. And she came perilously close to a full emotional collapse. She even began to display suicidal behavior. She talked about pistols and chloroform, and her husband recorded those comments that she made about pistols and chloroform in his diary. Um, at some point, they decided that divorce was necessary for her to regain her sanity. And this was a very rare uh, 
decision in that time period. Separating from your husband was virtually unheard of. Divorcing was certainly not something that was done or easily done, um, but that's what they decided. And during the summer of 1888, uh, Charlotte took her daughter, Catherine, who was still just a baby, and spent some time in Rhode Island away from her husband, and her depression began to lift. Imagine that. <laughs> and then she and her daughter moved to Southern California. Now, this is where Charlotte then met a woman named Adeline Knapp called Dell, and they started a serious relationship. And Gilman believed that Dell, with a relationship with Dell, that she had found a way to combine living and loving as opposed to kind of being in a conventional heterosexual marriage. Now, unfortunately, Dell and Charlotte did not stay together forever. I'm not exactly sure when they parted, but it, the relationship didn't last forever. And uh, around that time is when uh, Gilman became very active in several feminist and reformist organizations. Then um, when her mother died in 1893, Gilman moved back east, and she contacted a cousin of hers, a first cousin of hers named Hooten Gilman. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing his first name right. And she had not seen him in roughly 15 years. They became romantically involved. And in her diaries, she describes him as being pleasurable. And it is clear that she was deeply interested in him. They got married in 1900 and lived in New York City. In 1922, they moved from New York to Hooten's old homestead in Norwich, Connecticut. And when he died suddenly from a cerebral hemorrhage in 1934, Gelman moved back to Pasadena, California, where her daughter lived. In January of 1932, she had been diagnosed with incurable breast cancer. Gilman, not the daughter, sorry. <laughs> and she'd been an advocate of euthanasia for many, many years for the terminally ill, I should say, euthanasia for the terminally ill. And um, she committed suicide on 17 August 1935 by taking an overdose of chloroform. In both her autobiography and suicide note, she wrote that she, quote, chose chloroform over cancer, end quote. And she died quickly and quietly. So that is my little bio of the uh, incredible Charlotte Perkins Gilman. And when we talk about the yellow uh, wallpaper in the third workshop, we'll talk a little bit more about Charlotte because she did have some other aspects uh, in her character that are a little bit incredible and amazing. I'll just say one of which was she was incredibly racist. And we will talk about that. <laughs> now, a brief summary of this plot. First of all, it's a very short story. It's an easy read. It's very gripping, I think. But the story is laid out as a collection of journal entries written by a woman whose physician husband, John, has rented an old mansion for the summer. And for going other rooms in the house, the couple moves into the upstairs nursery. As a form of treatment for the unspecified ailment the woman is suffering, the unnamed woman is forbidden from working or writing and is encouraged to eat well and get plenty of air so she can recuperate from what John calls a, quote, temporary nervous depression, a slight hysterical tendency, end quote. Um, that's a diagnosis, again, that was pretty common to women during that period. They're just nervous, they're hysterical, whatever. 
The narrator devotes many journal entries to describing the wallpaper in the room, its sickly color, its yellow smell, its bizarre and disturbing pattern like an interminable string of toadstools budding and sprouting in endless convolutions, its missing patches, and the way it leaves yellow smears on the skin and clothing of anyone who touches it. It just sounds horrible. She describes how the longer one stays in the bedroom, the more the wallpaper appears to mutate, especially in the moonlight at night. With no stimulus other than the wallpaper, the pattern and designs become increasingly intriguing to this unnamed narrator. She soon begins to see a figure in the design, and she starts to believe that a woman is creeping on all fours behind the pattern. Believing she must free the woman in the wallpaper, the unnamed narrator begins to strip the remaining wallpaper off the wall. When her husband arrives home, the narrator refuses to unlock the door. When he returns with the key, he finds her creeping around the room, rubbing against the wallpaper and exclaiming, I've got out at last in spite of you. He faints, but she continues to circle the room, creeping over his inert body each time she passes it, believing herself to have become the woman trapped behind the yellow wallpaper. Oh! <laughs> that was a great synopsis. <laughs> I mean, I, I got to tell you, though, the book, you got to read that little short story out mm -hmm. there, people. You got to read it because, I mean, it's really an amazing little story. And, uh, you know, just jumping right in right away, I think we'll be in, the, in our third workshop. We'll definitely be hitting on themes of, you know, insanity. Uh, we'll be uh, hitting on themes of, you know, that kind of patriarchal dominance that in this time period and in the context of this story happens and is, is what the, really the narrator is fighting against, if you will. And how do we see that stuff going on today and how do we relate to it and everything? So that's just two themes that I know we'll be talking about, gender kind of issues and, and madness versus, you know, is she mad? Is she insane? Or is she just being dominated in really cruel ways. I mean, you know, so uh, what do you guys think? Oh, I, I definitely think that a lot of that madness, there's some air quotes here. Yeah. Environmental. Yeah, environmental madness. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> if she has a predisposition, she might be fine were it not for that cage that yes. she's in. Yes, yes. Mm -hmm. So... That, that, but Deborah, your thoughts? Yeah, you you read my journal there, Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Like, you know, it's like uh, she's a she's a uh, caged pacing tiger. Yeah. You know, and I bet it, you know she'd be a completely different kind of a tiger if she wasn't caged. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and obviously, I mean, I think I made I made it clear without saying it that uh, Charlotte actually wrote this story, you know, kind of as an expression of her experiences with her postpartum depression and Dr. Mitchell. And she sent him a copy of it and to try to get him to see how damaging his uh, treatment of rest cure, quote unquote, uh, was for her. And wow. she, he never responded. She She used to, in her lecture tours, she would say that he changed his, you know, 
uh, treatment after he got her copy of the book, that wasn't true. He never responded to her, and he kept doing what he was doing for many years after she'd sent him that book. <laughs> but um, anyway, uh, we'll talk more about that in the third workshop. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's a when you know that she suffered this depression herself in real life, it makes it makes the book a little uh, bit poignant in places because there's barely a mention of a child. There's, there's really no, no like serious discussion of what's wrong with this woman. It's just, it's literally her journal entries in those moments. And so, you know, you, you have to extrapolate and read between the lines and kind of understand what's, what's been driving her mad and what's going on. So yeah, interesting stuff. I want us all to just steep in the yellowness. I know of oh, this man. short story, and 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 you and your <sighs> story, Alice, brought out such wonderful phrases that were from the short story. Yeah, I tried to quote some. Yeah, do you mind reading um, a couple sentences of that again? Some of her terminology. Yeah, I love. Okay, so some of the parts that I had that were that were quote were the sickly color yellow smell that and then the, she describes the pattern as bizarre and disturbing and here's a quote here's the quote quote an interminable string of toadstools budding and sprouting in endless convolutions and and then this isn't a direct quote but the description is that it's the wallpaper is missing in patches it's peeling right it's peeling away but there's a reference to how it leaves yellow smears on the skin and clothing of anyone who touches it so clearly whatever this wallpaper was originally made of it's disintegrating and that word disintegrating is loaded you know it's loaded mm-hmm. <laughs> And um, I love how in the book, the, the, I don't have a direct quote, but the parts where she talks about how the wallpaper looks in the moonlight at night, I mean, I would have had too many. I would have had just pages of quotes. I would have just quoted the whole book. But, I mean, it's really beautifully written um, how, how she, the narrator, this unnamed woman, becomes drawn to and then kind of into and obsessed with the wallpaper because of how it looks and mutates in the moonlight and what she thinks is going on in this woman creeping on all fours. That, that's also a very telling visual because a lot of times, we don't talk about it a lot, but you know, especially back in the day, women gave birth on all fours. You know, this is a, she's creeping around on all fours. That's a sneaky thing. And it's a reference to birthing. And um, it's just really amazing. So anyway, I, I, I love this crazy little short story <laughs> far too much. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And I just wanted to take a moment and appreciate how none of us have seen this yellow wallpaper. No, but because she's able to take this visual thing in her head and describe it Mm -hmm. so well, she translates it completely from one medium into another. Yeah, and I think that's what our work at Nice is: is Mm -hmm. to create. You know, we were looking at somebody else's imagery, what's in their head, and now we're translating it into our own personal art form. Yes, exactly. I mean, the cover of the book that I have there, which is basically just the cover of the book that I have. Oh, you can't see it because I've got my background on. But it's, you know, it's it's 
that's just something that the book cover designer created you know I've been working on some digital uh, manipulations of some images that I have to turn colors into the weird yellows and strange things and hopefully I'll be able to share some of those um, with you guys uh, at the presentations and everything just weird visuals you know because I think the whole idea of yellow being a sickly you know a sickly thing and a you know the smell it smells yellow what does that mean <laughs> you know it's like you know what and we think of yellow we think of beautiful yellow flowers you know and, and sunny colors and you know we don't think of yellow as being gross <laughs> so <laughs> it's it's not the yellow we yearn for no it's the yellow we urine for I might have edited that out <laughs> I remember when I first read this in the 70s it was, uh, it, I just kind of stuff said, why in the hell would they put that wallpaper in a nursery? Yeah, I know, I know. I like, but what you were know, they thinking? But who, who knows if when it was originally put up, if it was beautiful, it wasn't peeling, it was a beautiful wallpaper of the time. And who knows if the ugliness of it wasn't all in her head. Mm -hmm. This is what we have to talk about in the third workshop. Mm -hmm. We got to dive deeply into the yellow wallpaper, mm -hmm. literally. <laughs> Yeah, I can't wait. I'm not getting it. on all fours, though, I'll tell you. No, no, no. We'll, we'll be sitting in our comfy chairs, our comfy okay. chairs. That's right. As you can tell, I'm in mine. Yeah. yeah. It, mm -hmm. It's the bane of the, the swivel rocker. I probably <laughs> went past my 15 minutes, so you better go ahead with a wrinkle in time. Okie dokie. I will do that, but that was a beautiful summer. The discussion from workshop number one in the 2021 NICE project continues in our next At the Roundtable episode.